podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Do you have a group chat where you continuously talk about summer getaways but never actually go anywhere? With Priceline, you can save up to 60% on your favorite hotels and also get amazing deals on rental cars and flights. And you can do it all from your phone. So stop texting and start planning. It's time to get more out of your summer. And you know, when you save more, you can do more. More adventures with friends, more unbelievable views, more walks on the beach, more unforgettable moments. Priceline knows every trip is a big deal. So tell your friends you found a great deal on the Priceline app and take your plans out of the chat and onto the road. So remember, when you're ready to book your next trip, check out Priceline.com for the easiest way for you to get more out of your next summer getaway. It's the bluest room in town Yeah, they're actually funny And the guests are sound Through the ups and the downs Yeah, they'll be there waiting For the next time round Find out what it means Everton will break your heart But they still your team It's far from doom and gloom So tune in now And get involved with the blues weekly show here on the Blue Room back again in 2022 your first one of the year hope everybody's had a good start to the new year and um, a lot of things have changed ever since the last few days and a lot of things have stayed the same uh, they are still rubbish at football but they've got two new fullbacks they've got a new board member as well in Graham Sharp it was announced today on Wednesday we'll get into all of that with our guests and two fine guests we've got Warren Doyle Warren how are you doing mate good mate happy new year to you happy new year to everyone else as well hope everyone's good and Keith Tomlin as well. How are you, mate? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah, just echo what Warren says. Happy New Year to everyone listening. Um, welcome to another year of the madhouse. <laughs> it's good away to summer it off. I mean, did you do anything mad on New Year or was it quite a nice in and the who's in Annie? Um, I was uh, I was at Death's Door, so I did next to nothing. Um, spent New Year's Eve pretty much in bed and then... New Year's Day was a quiet one, and then uh, started getting active again around the second, just in time for just in time for Everton. Yeah, I I can't uh, advance on that. I'm afraid I was quite boring as well because I was looking forward to seeing Everton get a win, and I thought that would be my New Year kicking off to a good start. But uh, yeah, they had other ideas, so here we go. Yeah, it was miserable that Brighton game. Uh, we will speak about that and Hall this weekend towards the end of the show, but. Uh, let's talk about some breaking news today, lads, in regards to the board. Um, Graham Sharp, I think it sort of caught a few of us by surprise, this. Um, it was confirmed by the club that he's been appointed to it. Obviously, there's been a few people that have gone off the board recently, and Ryan Anstev and uh, Marcel Brands, of course, who was on it as well before he got the boot. Uh, Sharp said, this club is in my blood. I've enjoyed many great days as a blue. Enjoying the board and being able to play a part in shaping Everton's future it's one of the greatest honours of all. I look forward to working with my fellow board members and taking my responsibility as a custodian of our great club very seriously. Uh, not really spe- specified too much on the club website what he's going to be doing, aside from the fact that he's going to be a non-executive board member. Um, there's a piece from Andy Hunter in The Guardian which states that Sharp will have a say in all football-related decisions, though. Um, so I'm not quite sure where he stands in regards to what kind of clout he has as part of that board. Uh, unsurprisingly, Keith, as things do, on social media and certainly amongst our fractured fan base at the moment, this news has caused 
polarizing views, <laughs> uh, to say the least. I mean, our, our WhatsApp group today, I, I don't know, I don't know if you, you had seen it, but um, it was one of those where you put your phone down, come back, and you've got a hundred messages in the space of fifteen minutes. Uh, a lot of chat going on about that today, but um, surprise, first and foremost. But, but what do you make of this? I, I don't know to be honest. Like, I I don't sort of. I'll be brutally honest. Not like a, a lot of people on social media be will be about this. I don't know enough about the inner workings of a football club board to know how much of an impact it's going to have. Um, as a non-executive director involved on the football side rather than the business side of things, um, you would you would suspect he'd have a say in like performance of the manager or things along those lines, like academy direction, things like that. You wouldn't think he'd be getting involved in um, transfer negotiations, contract renewals, stuff like that. Um, I don't know. He might just be a figurehead. He might just be a vote, a lackey for one of them on the board who wants another one in their favour, who knows, or dares to dream. Um, But it's... It's a, it's a good excuse for people to get angry on the internet, and that is what I'm here for at this stage. Um, basically, it might be great, it might be terrible, but let that not get in the way of you shouting at people on the internet, because that's what we're all here for, isn't it? Oh, certainly as Evertonians, that is, that is what we do, as, as the saying goes. <laughs> Warren, how, how do you feel about it, mate? My first reaction to it was, it, it's not a negative. But the more I think about it as well, I don't know necessarily what the positives are. And this goes back to the whole thing. You you touched on it a little bit there, Matt. There's not really any specifics involved. So it goes back to the whole thing of, do we really know what is going on at, at, at board level? You know, at decision-making level. We've heard a lot about this strategic review that Everton are currently doing. You can't blame fans for. I've seen a lot of things myself on social media. You can't blame fans for getting annoyed and angry and saying things like, you know, jobs for the boys and things like this because we don't know enough about what is going on. We don't know enough about whose roles are. Even when Brands was here, we didn't, we, we knew what his role was and his job, but we didn't know what he really did, if you really think about it. And I think it's the same applies with this, this decision. You know, <laughs> I'm involved in football decision making. I'm going to play a part in the football future of, of Everton. But what does that what does that mean? You, we, we're all um, we're all speculating what it could mean. Does it mean he's involved with the academy? Does it mean he's involved with transfers? Does he mean he's involved in some sort of player liaison? You know, I know he's does the thing already where he's the the, the players uh, what what players former players like association uh, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so. I, whilst I don't think it's a negative having a player of certainly of Graham Sharp's past and, 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 you know, what is affinity with the club, whilst I don't think that's a bad thing, I don't see the good either because I just don't see what he will do and offer. And it's not maybe what he, I'm not saying he's not qualified or can't do it. We're just kept in the dark to a degree. And it just, just does, just does come across as let's roll a dice and see what number we come up with and see who we can hire. It just comes across that way. And I could be very harsh by saying that there could be a lot more to his role that meets the eye. But because we don't know, how can how can you blame fans for being sceptical, especially with the run we're on at the minute and especially with how the club's being run? 
in the last four or five years as well. Yeah, and I think that's that's it for me. And I think Warren's made a really interesting point there, Keith, for me in regards to brands and comparing it to that because that was a situation as well where because we didn't really know what this fella's roles and responsibilities were, there was a lot of room for people to, to fill in their own gaps to suit what they thought was right. And like you said, you know, then to get angry about it when things happened and point the fingers in whichever way they wanted. And and listen, this is only announced a, a few hours ago. So by the time this goes out, there might be an interview of him on the club website. There might be an interview of Bill Kemwright, Mashiri saying, Graham Sharp's coming to do this. He's going to be in, he's going to be in charge of this. He's going to have a say on this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or you might get a really detailed job description for what Graham Sharp's going to do. But I think I highly doubt it. <laughs> and it's sort of one of them, isn't it, where we're sitting here and we're getting the information from what a journalist has said in, in one of his pieces. We had a few nice quotes from Sharp. We had a few nice quotes from, from Bill Kenwright on, on the club website. But it just feels as though there's sort of a, a lot a lot of grey around this, well, which I suppose could be quite suitable for, for Graeme Sharp, I suppose, <laughs> given his former partnership with Everton. Sorry about that one. Terrible joke to start the new year. Shocking. Absolutely <laughs> disgraceful, that is. Yeah, I think unless you like unless you have a defined um this is what he's going to do, it's hard to really criticize the appointment or praise the appointment. And I think largely that's very much just in keeping with Everton Football Club at all levels, is that They've got a lot of people there who don't really have a defined role or structure. Um, and it, I mean, they don't really sort of, they, this, this goes back to um, what, the, what the lads were campaigning for, the, the 27 uh, years for 27 minutes. Well, I don't, I don't know. It's something to do with 27s. In that Everton don't communicate well enough with the fans and... I mean, for the most part, that's that's probably the, the biggest part of the campaign that I agree with. And that Everton's communication with supporters is shockingly bad, isn't it? I mean, they don't they don't come out and explain decisions, they'll just like make an announcement here and there. And I don't know, it's just um it's one of them. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna choose the um the the sort of the path of ambivalence on this. I am going to be a, a top-notch fence sitter. I'm going to get splinters in my arse and I'm just going to sit and wait and see what happens. I, I need I'm you not... to have a strong opinion one way or another, mate, unfortunately. Fence sitter's um, not going to fly. I don't know. How, how bad? <laughs> are, we, are we allowed to swear on... Uh, on yeah, you can swear. Yeah, you can right, swear. cool. I'll, I'll just stick with my standard Everton opinion then and call it shite. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't it explain it all, though, really, when... We, kids like that, like I, I can't give you an answer one way or the other whether it would be good or not. I think that says it all about how we don't know enough about what it's going to involve this role for us to even have an opinion, a strong opinion on it. And as I said, well, the ones just, just before just before you go on, Warren, just look at mm. look at the statement there again while while Keith was talking. And the only sort of line I can see in regards to it is it says, in his new role, Sharp will utilize the wealth of knowledge of the game he has amassed over more than four decades to provide valuable input into the club's football strategy. I mean, talk about as ambiguous <laughs> as, as you vague, can possibly get. Yeah, It's very vague. And that's why the, the, the people who are angry at the moment, it's, it's if it's fueling this anger. And, you know, whilst I agree with, we, we do a lot of things good at Everton, I agree with Keith to a sense of, of 
the communication with supporters and just things like a lot of our transfer fees now are undisclosed. You know, I know we, we mm. find out what the real transfer fee is through the papers, but things like that. And I just think, I, I think, I don't, football clubs shouldn't have to give every secret away. Of course they shouldn't, but I do think certain things should be made clear. And particularly when things are going wrong, like they are now, because when you, you touched on it before, Matt, when things do go wrong or when things are running badly, or seem like they're running badly, people are going to fill in the gaps. And when then gaps get filled in, it's just filled with rumour or it's filled with half-truths. And unfortunately, it's it's it just leads to negativity around the club. And I think there's a massive lot of that at the moment, which they're not helping themselves by not making exactly clear what he's doing. Because it just looks, as I said before, like to the people and to the fans who are upset at the moment, it just looks like another one ex-Evertonian being looked after. And it's a shame, really, because for what Graham Sharp did to the club, he deserves probably better than that. But Unfortunately, I don't blame people for thinking the way they have been and the way they've reacted on social media. No, I think that that's fair enough. And we, we sort of asked people, or I asked people on Twitter what what they thought of it. Um, Jim Keegan uh, has gone down the, the has gone down the Keith route of saying it might end up being a good idea, but realistically, when did the club last make a good appointment of any kind? If you were going on probability, then it's probably a shite move. Uh, Mike Blakey said, "Fuck Jose Baxter was overlooked." To be honest. <laughs> uh, Wayne, Wayne Brown said embarrassing appointments would be amazed if anyone not connected to the club thinks otherwise uh, and Mike Sullivan said I think people need to chill out a little bit did anyone say jobs for the boys when Baines was given a role in the academy I think any, anything they do at the moment is going to cause this kind of outcry for Sack and Benitez which I advocate so bit of a mixed bag really um, I, I, I just sort of think like yeah it, for, for me if it, the club had said, well, this is how Graham Sharp is prepared for, for this role. This is the experience he's got in the modern game. You know, I'd, I'd, you know, I don't know if he's been doing work towards that or whether he's gone away and looked at it or he's been you know, doing his homework in regards to what it takes to be on a board of a, a company this big, what it takes to, to make it you know, be positive in, in, modern football, in modern football and progress. But we don't know if he has been doing any of that or not. Um, and as a result... There's plenty of room to speculate. Um, so yeah, keep your thoughts coming in on that on, on Twitter if you want uh, at the Blue Room EFC. If you've got any thoughts on that, um, let's move on. Let's have a chat about something we are sure of, and that is Everton have signed uh, a really exciting fullback in Nathan Patterson. And I'm glad you you lads are both on because I think he's he's a player that a lot of people maybe haven't seen tons of. I know Keith is a staunch Scotsman. Um, you would have seen him play a few times with Warren as well. Uh, Big fan of all things Scottish footy and the national team. Um, seen plenty of them. Um, Warren, before we even started recording, we were speaking a bit about this lad. You said you're really excited by the acquisition. Uh, can you give the listeners an insight into why you think this is such a good deal for us? Yeah, I, I do watch a lot of Scottish football and I, I watch a lot of the national team. Um, and I just, I, I just find it enjoyable to watch. And he has burst onto the scene, really. He's not played many games. I think it's been noted that he's not been involved Patterson with Rangers a lot. And that is simply because of James Tavernier. James Tavernier, for those who don't know, is club captain up at Rangers. And he is a bit of a talisman for them, if you like. He has been a player that's stuck with them through dark periods up there at that club. And he's sort of come out the other end, and obviously with them winning the league last year, He's seen as uh, one of the one of the guiding shining lights, if you like, that has guided them through those dark times into being more successful as they were last year. So it's going to be hard to displace who is somebody like that who is going to go down as a true club legend. 
And I think that's probably why he's not played as much as he would have liked. I think I, in an ideal world, Rangers would have liked to have played him more as the season went on. And then as the following seasons came, he would have been more and more involved and you know become more of a starter over Tavernier. But unfortunately for Rangers and you know positively for us, we've obviously been scouting this lad and we've decided it's a priority position for us to fill in this right back position. So it's it's the type of signing I must say that I've been wanting us to make for years in terms of his profile, the age of him, the position of him, the um the, the sort of type of signing we should have been making years ago, a young, hungry, aggressive player. He's got many strengths. He's he's strong in the tackle. He's going to get criticised for his defending at times. I think he may need a bit of time to settle up in um, in the Premier League. You know, it will be tougher for him. He played a game against Slavia Prague in the UEFA, um, sorry, not the UEFA Cup, the Europa League last year. And he had a bit of a torrid time against their left winger. And first half, they got, got pretty overwhelmed by it, I think. And then the second half, they came out and Rangers got back into the game a lot. And he tightened up his game a little bit defensively, didn't get forward as much and just sort of sat in a little bit more and offered that bit more protection. So he's got it, he's got it in his game to adapt, but his real strength is going to be getting forward. And as we know, the, the modern day game is about fullback, get forward and attack. And so with his height, with his strength, with his power that he's already got at 20 years of age, he's got an eye for goal as well. He can cross a ball, which is going to be really positive for us, especially if we've got Calvert-Lewin in the middle. Um, looking to feed off his, his crosses, that's going to be to our advantage and going to work for us. So I'm really excited. Now with any signing, it could go wrong. But I think out of the two, I don't know much about Michaelenko at all, but out of the two signs we've made, I'm really excited and really, out of all the negativity with Everton this week, this is something really positive because it shows me that at least we're starting to look at our recruitment a bit better rather than paying big money for ageing, players who are probably on their last big last big contract and, and having it with Everton and then no resale value. I think this represents the total opposite of that. And just one more thing I'd like to add as well. Steve Clark's done an amazing job with Scotland. Obviously, they've improved massively. And he's not one to sort of go with the same 11 every every game. Steve Clark, he is open to bringing in, to bringing in new. But what you've got to remember is that Scotland team was the first team to get into... Uh, a major championship in 20 odd years. So for, for Nathan Patton to come in and, and start against Moldova, who we played against in the last qualifying game, uh, sorry, the last qualifying game before they played Denmark at home. And it was a key game for Scotland because they had to win to get to the playoffs. If they didn't win, they would have had to play Denmark in the last game. And Denmark, as we all know, have been very strong lately. And for him to throw him in away from home in a big game like that, I think that shows a lot of the faith that Steve Clark had in him. And it shows a lot of the faith that Steven Gerrard, when he was manager at Rangers, had in him, and then continually with Gianni Van Bronckhurst, who's the new Rangers manager. So for me, it's a very positive sign. Whether or not he'll do the business right away, I don't know. But I think it's the exact type of sign we should be making, and I'm very happy with it. No, it's, it's really exciting when, when you put it like that. And I think, Keith, I mean, it'd be great to get your your thoughts on him, on him as a player as well. But I think something that, that Warren sort of said there in regards to his appearances in Europe, Obviously, playing at Ibrox, which is a, an intense, unforgiving crowd, playing on the big stage for, for Scotland and doing well, chipping in with a couple of goals. It's obviously it's going to be a big step up for him in terms of quality on a week to week basis. But 
it seems as though he's a lad with the right sort of temperament to, to make that step up based on what we've seen from him so far. Yeah, certainly. Um, like Warren's probably seen a lot more Scottish football than I have. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll bow to his superior knowledge on it. Uh, but yeah, like he, he has like most of what I've seen of Patterson has been playing for uh, the national team. Um, and sort of my initial opinions of him are he's a he's a big physical fullback, like he's a big lad. I think he's about six foot three. He's he's quite strong, he's he's really bulked up over the last year or so, apparently. And um he gets forward really well. He's fast going forward, he can overlap well and he carries the ball well at feet, and his final final product is crossing is very, very good. Um, which is something Everton sort of would hope to get success from. Um, defensively, I'm not 100% sold yet. I think he's got a lot to learn about positioning. I think he's still quite rash in, like he will dive into tackles rather than sort of standing his man up. Um, but that'll come when in he, time. When he plays for Scotland, does he play as a wing-back or a full-back? Because does Clark typically play it's, a back, yeah. back five? It's sort of like a wing-back thing. Clark prefers that three in the middle with the two wing-backs, um, basically so that he can shoehorn Robertson and Tierney into the same team. Um, typical Scotland, isn't it, for years, like the, the, the best two players in years, and they both happen to be left full-backs. Um, so yeah, he plays in that wing-back role. Um, so I suppose he's got more licence for Scotland to get forward. How he does as a part of a four and sort of staying more disciplined will we'll remain to see. Um, I know Rangers fans talk very highly of him as a, as a player and they're, they're, like, they're sad to see him go and they would have wanted him to play more in the first team had it not been for James Tavernier, um, who, like Warren said, he's a club captain. He gets that bag full of goals and assists from right back. So he's quite hard to shift. Um, so I will wait and see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but I think it's like Warren said as well, and this is this is the big thing for me, is it's the right profile of player to sign. That young, hungry, up-and-coming player who we can get tied down on a long contract and not on massive wages. Um, I believe I've seen somewhere his wages are sort of around the 30k a week mark, which is what you want, really. If if you can get your first team players on that sort of salary, it's gonna it's gonna bring the uh, the whole financial fair play things sort of back into kilter. Um, I believe Mikalenko is sort of around the 50k mark from what I've seen. Just this, it's obviously um, Twitter chat, but. So both of them basically don't even make up the full amount of Luca Dean's wages, um, and their tra- combined transfer fees will come in at about sort of thirty odd thirty odd million. If we can somehow get thirty odd million for Luca Dean, then we've re- effectively replaced one senior player. I won't say aging player because he's only twenty nine, but we've replaced a senior player who's going to need replacing in the next few years. With two players who'll be who could be around for a decade or could be around five years and sell them for a big profit, you know. So it's a it's a positive step forward in terms of recruitment. We're not just signing um flash in the pan, flavor of the month wingers, giving them a hundred grand a week on a five-year deal, and then they they just don't do the business. So 
Yeah, happy with it overall. Is it is it a bit of a concern? I mean, you just feel free to jump in here, but it's you know, I agree with everything you both said in regards to the profile of the player, the the wages, the the cost of them as well. You know, we're not we're not breaking the bank necessarily to to sign these lads and, and giving them massive, massive contracts, but I am a little bit worried that they're both coming into a situation where the team is in utterly rotten shape. And it's not as if Everton are, you know, between eighth and, and twelfth in the Premier League and we're sort of, you know, just just bobbing along as we tend to do. And you know, typically by in recent years we've had our relegation scares in inverted commas. We've sort of come out of it by now, haven't we? And we've made our way up the table a little bit and we thought of actually this is all gonna be fine. It sort of feels like these lads are coming into a situation which is as bad as it has been in recent years. They're both young. Neither of them have played in the league before. It could be a bit of a, a baptism of five for both of them. Yeah, it's a diff- I think. Go on, one. I was going to say, it's a difficult one because ideally, like you said there, Matt, we, we want to be eighth in the table and comfortable and off the back of a few wins and, and bring them into a, a side and a, a, a fan base that's, that's very positive. It is going to be difficult, but I look at it the other way. What do you do? Just sign experienced players then who get us out of it for one season and fall back to square one again in a couple of years. I think, just for me, I just got tired of them signings. I got tired of, you know, when I know they, were, they, they tried the best and they did the hardest for us, but I was tired of the Theo Wilcott, Jen Tosin type of signings, you know, past it, at that age where there's no re- resale value and, and not really offering too much. With this, at least, there's, there's a bit of... There's incentive there. Keith was talking about wages as well before. There's incentive for them both. If they perform well, they're going to get new contracts down the line on bigger bigger money. And if they do really well, it could be the topic of Champions League clubs in the future. So there's incentive there for them to do better. And that's the way we've got to go. We've had for too long, too many players who have either down tools for the managers or it's it's too easy for them. And we need, we need to make it competitive at Everton again. And for me, this is hopefully what these two signings will bring. But with any two signings, there's going to be risk. And of course, with Patterson being so young and coming from Scotland and with Michael Enko coming from the Ukrainian league and about, you know, having to settle into a, a new country, it could be really difficult for them both initially. But I think in time, and this is the way Everton have got to go, I've said this for years, we've got to think more long-term. So I think this will benefit us long term, but we need to lose the two there, Matt. We need to get through the short term. We need to get through it quick. I mean, I just thought, I know you wanted to make a point, Keith, as well, but I know this is something you're really passionate as well about is uh, Patterson also has been given the number three jersey. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have to restart with that. I mean, stop moaning, lads, about everything. <laughs> Yeah, it's he's part, like, apparently he's played left back a few times this season for Rangers. Genuinely, I'm I'm actually not one to moan too much about Everton based things. Like I'll just I'll just smile and nod and get, you accept it after a while. Um, but this is up there with the, the Samuel Etel number five debacle, um, Morgan Schneider in number two in centre midfield. I mean, just like somebody just needs to have a word with these boys and just say, look, no, this is how it's done. This is this is your one to eleven. Um, I suppose it's really weird because like everyone thought, oh, they're not they're not ready to give out the number three shirt to a youngster um, with Mikalenko coming in at left back, and then obviously not taking the number three. They say, all right, well they're going to keep hold of it for a wee bit, and then they give it to a right back who's even younger. Has Mikalenko got a number yet? Ah, he's nineteen. Okay. The famed number nineteen shirt <laughs> as worn yeah. by. Um, 
James Rodriguez and Umar Nias. My guy Gay wore that as well, didn't he? I think Monday, Tuesday, my guy Gay. Yeah, what a fella he is. Um, a couple of dreamy left foots there, my guy and James. Yeah. yeah. So. Um. Yeah. It is. It's going to be. I think it's going to be easier for Patterson to um, ease in because he's got Coleman there who'll probably, for me, play more often than not for the remainder of this season. Um, there's opportunities to get him in. I think the cup game on Saturday is a very good one to get him in. Um, Mikalenko is going to have a chance to establish himself as the first choice left back at the club by default because as soon as Luca Dean's sold, and he will be sold, let's not be in the bush here, he will be the only first choice left back at the club because we've like managed that situation very well. So he's gonna he's gonna have to hit the ground running. Um, see how it goes. Could be quite torrid. It's, he's coming into a toxic team on a, a poor run of form. It's got all the makings of this this lad like quitting football inside six months, isn't it? <laughs> Well, the young, let's, youngest let's, retire, retiree in Premier League history. Let's be positive. It could be the shot in the arm we need. Mm. Probably new young shine, and you know it's got to, it's got to turn sooner rather than later. Would, would you throw them in, Matt, on Saturday? Do you throw them both in and play them both? If they're both ready to play, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of sides people have put up on Twitter ahead of this game, and it's a case of playing all the kids um, with a view to we've got Leicester, haven't we, and Norwich next week, which are obviously two massive games for us, but. I think you'd, it's one of them where you look at it and go, do you save players for, for those games? Because the Premier League's very important and we're not necessarily safe. Or do some of the lads just need a bit of a, a confidence boost? You know, the, the players in that side just need to feel what it's like to win a football match because we haven't really done it that much since September the 25th when yeah. <laughs> when, when we beat Norwich. So I'll play them both, but I'd, I'd have a strong side, an experienced side around them. Um, but it's... It's, it's going to be tested in the Premier League. I think, I think the one good thing, and I saw Mick Reno tweeting tweet about this today, is that we've got a really favourable run, haven't we, coming up in terms of the teams we're playing. You know, we're playing a lot of sides that are down the bottom of the Premier League. And if you're going to ease in two young players, certainly if you're going to ease in Mikalenko, I think you'll play more games between now and the end of the season, then it could be a good time to do it. But it's going to be tricky. Um, but, but you know what? Based on what we saw on Saturday, <laughs> sorry, Sunday rather, against Brighton and Hove Albion and Seamus Coleman trying his little heart out at left wing back. It's, why not just chuck them in there? And we, we will quickly speak about that before we, we go on to, to the game against Hull. Um, I've got to come to you first on it. Was just just so disappointing. You know, everyone's so excited to get back in at Goodison. Our star strikers fit again. Chance to sort of start the new year on a high and put, put a torrid end to the previous year behind us. And, and everything going, they play a right back, a left wing back, they play five across the back and they sit on the, the edge of their own box. And it's 2 0 after 19 minutes, and you sat there thinking, why on earth do we bother with all this? Yeah, it was I, for me, that was one of the lowest points in, in a long time on Sunday. I felt really worried after the game. I I don't want to say we're, we're going down, but you just said there about the run of fixtures, Matt. If we don't pick up some points in these run of fixtures and we've got difficult fixtures then as the season goes on, it's worrying. And 
you know, I think Newcastle will get out of it. I just think by the virtue of the fact they're going to spend money and you know they play decent against Man United and they're going to they're going to bring in players. I think they will get out of it. It's whether or not we get sucked into it. We need seven wins to guarantee forty points, and we've played eighteen games, so we've got another another what is it twenty games left. Are we going to get seven wins in twenty games? You'd hope so. I, I'm just very worried if something doesn't change quickly. And I, I just don't want to get to sort of February and be still down there. I'd like to, you know, I'll take finishing mid-table, whatever, this year. You know, because we, we are in, for lack of a better word, we are in transition. And they're not going to get rid of the manager, no matter how many, you know, no matter how much people want it. He, he's not going to do it because he doesn't necessarily want to be seen as failing again and, and bringing in the wrong person again. He's going to give this manager time. So we, we can't we can't hope for that. We can't expect that. So we've got to give it time. And I know people are going to be listening to this saying, what are you on about? You know, if we're losing every week, how can you give someone time? But the scattergun approach we've had in the last four or five years with Everton cannot continue. It cannot. Just it, it, You can see the effects of it now, what's happening with the team now. So going back to Sunday, I just think that was the lowest point I've felt in a long time. And... You'd hope that from that now we start seeing some green shoots of revival. It's just hard to see where it's coming from. I thought we got there after the Chelsea game. I thought that was a brilliant performance. I thought that was a team that showed heart. I thought that was a team that showed they cared. And I thought to go away to Chelsea, even though they're not doing great at the moment, they're having their little bit of a slump. To go with the team we had and to turn up at Stamford Bridge, a ground we're notorious for doing really poor at. I thought that was going to be the turning point, And I thought we may see now a different Everton and then he just comes crashing back down to earth against let's be honest a decent Brighton side who we played really well against early on in the season don't forget and I thought you know this will be the game now where we, we progress from that and we move on and to see us just sort of limp in and wave the white flag so early on was just just terrible really just really low low feeling really anxious feeling at the end of that about where we go from there but you know listen again Got the signings. I thought Anthony Gordon again was fantastic. One of the bright sparks. We just got to hope now that we can build on on those players and just see if there's a change and see if you know hopefully get Charleston back as well soon rather than later and get us climbing that table. Yeah, I remember last time you were on, Keith. It was after the the Arsenal game and we had that you know that great finale and Everton in the second half really pushed on and it felt like the sort of the blueprint was there in the second half of that game for, for how, how you go about it, how you get the best out of Goodison, how you play football that, that Evertonians want to see. And, and football that ultimately yields results. And you know, the early stages of that game on, on Sunday, just it couldn't have been any further away from that, could it? Oh, it's just abysmal, wasn't it? Just like, I mean, the slowest possible start. I don't think we touched the ball in their half until after they'd scored, which is... Um, Two seconds. Still, um, still getting over last week. Two seconds. Just going to fill the dead area while Keith chooses cops his guts up. Very, very, very uh, respectful of you to put yourself on mute there, mate. Anyway, so so people didn't hear that. Are you ready to go again? Right. Let's try that one again, shall we? <laughs> um, yeah. But um, I have a little, um, if you're watching on the YouTube one, I do have a little test here that I've done today that says I don't have the Rona. Good stuff. Um, just a cough. 
So, where were we? Yeah, I don't think we touched the ball in their half until after we were losing 1-0, which is, like, it's not great, is it? It's less than ideal. Um, it was just insipid. And to be honest, it was one of those, I could, it's one of those where I could feel it walking up to the ground. Um, there wasn't that sort of, like you say, ever, oh yeah, we're all excited to get back to Goodison after a break. And that, it didn't feel like that to me. It felt flat around the ground. Normally, even when Everton aren't playing well, there's always like a little bit of a buzz in the streets around the ground. To me, Sunday, everyone's heads were down from the start. I don't know if it's like New Year hangovers or that kicking on, but and even in the ground, as the teams were coming out, it just felt a little bit like nobody was really wanted to be there. It was um, it was very much that sort of um, the Homer Simpson meme from the Simpsons, where it's hurry up and lose so we can go home. <laughs> um, I just had just had strong vibes about that, and like. It was just crap. Like, I mean, you could you could point out a couple of exceptions. I think John Joe Kenny had a good game. I think Anthony Gordon played very well, um, minus his set piece taken, uh, putting two corners straight out for goal kicks. Forgot about that. Um they were just they were just garbage, weren't they? Like absolute hot garbage. Um, I never want to see Mason Holgate in an Everton shirt again. I th- that's one of the worst centre half performances I've seen. He just he never got near the ball at any point whatsoever. Um, Michael Keane trying to shoot from forty yards on his left foot. That was that was fun, wasn't it? Uh, and then yeah, like we say, the the team that he put out, the formation he put out. What it boils down to is he's let, he's put a personal vendetta against the good of Everton Football Club by picking that team because you've got a French international left back on the bench fit enough to play and you don't play him because you've fallen out with him. He's put himself above the club there and he should have been sacked on the spot for that. As soon as that final whistle, whistle went, that defeat's on him because of the team he's put out. Um, and it's not, it's not because of tactics, it's not because of who's available, it's because of a petty vendetta against someone who spoke out against him. Whether or not Luca Dean was right to speak out against him publicly, I don't know. It's not for me to say. But if you're putting like your personal feelings ahead of the good of the football club, then you don't. You should not be within a hundred miles of that football club. Um, and he should have been sacked for that. Like he should have been sacked for a, a lot of things previously. But for me, that's unforgivable. And he shouldn't shouldn't still be manager of Everton Football Club right now. It, it did sort of feel Warren as though there was, and I don't know what 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 it was, but it felt like there was some kind of ulterior motive by Avendina in the squad on the bench, but not bringing him on. I mean, what, why why even have him there if you if you're not intent if you, if you can watch those first twenty five minutes and see Seamus Coleman cut back in on his right foot time after time after time, and not think we need an actual left-footed footballer on the pitch here, on the left-hand side. He was obviously he obviously had no intention of using him whatsoever. So what was the point in him even being there? Was it sort of making a statement? Was it, you know, was he expecting Dini to come out and warm up and everyone to, to, to boo Dini? I just, I just didn't see the point of even having him there because it was just another distraction and another thing to to potentially lead to divisions and fractions in the in the football club and the fan base on the day. And of course, after we lost, what does everyone turn to and say? You know, if we, if we win the game, 
it's it's a talking point, but no one really goes on about it. But like Keith said there, the fact that he's gone out of his way to maybe you know maybe he's put him on the bench because of numbers. Maybe we just didn't have the numbers in the squad to fill a full bench. So he, he you know if he if he doesn't play him again, then that's that's another issue again. But he's he put himself in a position, uh, Benitez, where he's made it no win for himself if he plays him and he does poor. It's Benitez's tactics. If he doesn't play him, why is he not playing him? Because we, he was available. If um, he doesn't put him in the squad, and then we've got so many on the bench, we've only got six on the bench or whatever, why didn't he put Luzine on the bench? So he just made it a no-win situation for himself with the way all this has been handled. It hasn't been handled great. It just looks like a war of words. Um, I think it's a different situation from the, the Hamish Rodriguez one. Because obviously, I think I don't think Hamas Rodriguez had any intention whatsoever to stay with us once Carlo Ancelotti left. But it's a similar situation in the sense of it's just you're not a part of my team, so you're on you're on the outside of the circle basically. And yeah, it's just very strange. But to even bring him on, you know, have him on the bench, like you said, Matt. But he's he's made this a no win situation for himself. I don't know why they didn't go with the same team. I know uh, Branthwaite was injured, but I don't know why they didn't go with the same sort of even four at the back and play Godfrey at left because Godfrey had a, a really good game again at Chelsea. So why not put him left back, as it, which he's played there before, and go with four at the back and, and the three in the middle, which we've looked so comfortable with when we've had three in the middle. I don't know. Only he can answer that. And again, it just goes back to the whole thing of, you know, not that it, not that we should be demanding answers from the manager of his tactical decisions after, decisions after every game, but when something doesn't work like that and when it appears to everyone like it's just a vendetta and an ego thing why you are not playing a particular player. I think the fans do deserve answers and we haven't got them, which just leads again to this negativity and this outcry and this, this response that the fans have had both online and in the stadium. So it's just a real shame all around, you know, Luca Dean is going to leave. I wish him well. I think he's been a good player for us. I do think if we were in a better position, I do think it's probably the right time to sell him. He is 29 on big wages. But the fact is, we could have done with him on Sunday. We could have really done with his quality. And yeah, it was a big miss. And it cost us, ultimately, like you said, with Coleman going back on his left foot all the time, cost us the game. Yeah, um, looks like he's potentially on his way out to Chelsea, West Ham or Villa, Luca Dean. I think he's chipped Newcastle off by the look to reports today, which, again, we'll earn him more favour with, with our supporters. But uh, just before we wrap up, lads, Hull at the weekend, um, half five on BBC. Everyone, I think, in the country is expecting Everton to flap this and to potentially be the shock of the round. I don't even think it'd be that big a shock, to be honest, I've played at the moment, but... Keith, how, how, how are you feeling going into the cup competition? I think in, in years gone by, I've sort of thought, right, come on, another chance to to end this trophy drought. You know, it's been going on for far too long now. But we're being brutally honest at this point. I just feel as though we're just so far away from potentially being able to challenge for, for any kind of silver at the moment. It's just that when you sort of look at it and shrug your shoulders, I think if we can get through it, so be it. If not, I'm not really that fussed. Do you know what? It's, it's got all the makings of Millwall the other year, hasn't it? Like lower league team, Everton in disarray, Saturday night prime time on terrestrial telly. But there's not a chance that we win this game. As well. It's it's just absolutely written in the stars. Who have Hull got playing for? There must be like someone with like some sort of Liverpool connection playing for Hull. 
I'll find this out. Must, no. They must have a striker that like has never scored for the club. One of them is is just nailed on. Um, yeah, like I'm the same. Like the FA Cup, you get. I love the FA Cup. It's great, and it? it's just like it's proper English football at its best. And every year you look forward to it. And this year, I just I can't work up any enthusiasm for it whatsoever because I feel like even if we beat Hull. How far are we going to go? We're not going to beat the first decent team we come up against. So, I mean, what's the point? So, like, you never want Everton to lose. But it's one of those that, like, I'd probably take a defeat Saturday if it meant that he, like, got sacked straight afterwards. A lot like, much akin to um, Sunderland away at the end of Martinez when... Basically, we knew that he was coming to an end and he just needed one bad result to tip him over the edge and Sunderland did it. Unfortunately, like the, the one added bonus of that was that also relegated Newcastle, which was, <laughs> which was just beautiful. Um, so, yeah, it's one of them. Like I'd, I'd love it if we won and went on a little cup run and it rejuvenated the season, but the, the horrible old cynic in me just can't see it. So... I, re- I reckon it's going to be Everton 1, uh, Hull City 2, Everton 1. I've just been looking at the Hull's team, potentially Liverpool or ex-Everton connections. There aren't many there, but I did not realise that Tom Huddleston was playing for them. Is he still there? He is still playing. Has Tom he cut Huddleston. his hair yet? He's, at, he's 35 years old now. He's, he's only played five times for them all season, but um, I mean, he struggled to get around the pitch when he was... I just yeah. peaked, didn't he? If, to oh, be honest, he's, he might oh, he's scoring from 40 yards. He, he might look dead mobile against our lads in midfield, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what an, how are you feeling ahead of this one, mate? Any positivity to, to lift me and Keith's mood going uh, into this game? I want to, I want to be positive. It's just, it's got all the hallmarks, like Keith said, hasn't it? It's, you know, they've got nothing to lose. They've had a, they haven't had a great season. I think they're struggling in the championship as well, and they've had. I think they've had to sell a lot of players to um, to sort of fund the nineteenth. They haven't won the last four, lost the mm. last two. It's uh, it could spell disaster if we get beat. I think if we win, it could be it could be a really positive thing. Like you said earlier, Matt, it could be this team aren't used to winning at the minute. I think to get that win might just give a bit of relief to them all. It's a massive, massive game for us. I think we've got to go there with a. I think we've got to go there with full strength, to be honest. I mean, Do you think he will? I don't know. I don't know because we've got the game Tuesday, but then we haven't had a lot of football recently. So I think get these players playing, just get them in full strength side, get them playing. You know, we could go on a nice little cup run. You know, we don't want to just cup run. Of course, we want to win it, but I can't see that happening this season. So. Is the, is the replays if you draw us this if they scrapped that they totally scrapped that, no, they've been so, that so penalties potentially yeah so I think hopefully Begovic isn't in goal for that if he's, even if he plays Begovic and it's going to penalties take him off and put Pickford on based on yeah. what we saw against QPR yeah I think, I think we've just got to roll our sleeves and go for it and the pressure's all on us they're expected to get beat we're not we'll take a big crowd there so there's no hiding for them players on Saturday if, if they're poor but yeah, we need to win. We need to win from somewhere quickly because if we don't, I, I do worry 
what will happen. But and, and as I said, hopefully these signings and different things will, will be the shot in the arm we need. But we've got to somehow turn this negativity around. We've got to somehow not be as apathetic as as you know. I'm guilty of it. I've been apathetic towards the towards the team and the club lately because that's how it's been made to feel. We're just used to it now. We're used to same old, same old. And it is becoming, it's almost becoming a chore to go to Goodison, I think, for a lot of people. But we've got to get over this somehow. We've got to get Everton back to some sort of, have some sort of spirit in the team. And as I said earlier, I thought we had that against Chelsea. So we are capable of it. We've just got to do it more often. So, yeah, why not start Saturday? I'm not hopeful, but why not start Saturday? There's, there's a crumb of positivity anyway, Matt, for you. There we go. Good way to end it there. Hopefully we don't see any any pictures of Rafa Benitez looking. Was it that picture where Marco Silva looked completely dejected after the Millwall game? Was it that was one? That the Millwall one, was it? Where he looked like he'd been out on like a four-day bender. It looked he like... just got home and realised he'd lost his house keys, his bank card and his wedding ring. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say it looked like the, dement- the Dementors from Harry Potter had been at him, but I think he was, he was, a, be- he was a better summary of that. But, um, I haven't seen Harry Potter, so... Uh, they, about, well, they, they suck all the joy and happiness out of you. That's it. These creatures. So, that's yeah. that's everything. Everything are a Dementor. There we go. Right, we'll leave it there anyway. Try to, be, try to finish on a positive point of view of Warren's, Sorry, Warren's uh, points. Sorry. But um, yeah, <laughs> dragged it back to, to soul-crushing disappointments. But uh, yeah, that is it for, for us today. Uh, if you want to hear more from us, do come and join us on Blue Room Extra. Uh, we've got all the inside track on Nathan Patterson from Jordan Campbell from The Athletic, who covers Rangers and Scottish football. We had Subs Weekly yesterday and we all have weekend preview on Mailbag build it up to this weekend but cheers to Warren cheers to Keith fingers crossed things start to turn around this weekend we'll speak to you again soon here on the Blue Room Tool and Equipment isn't just a store, it's a problem solver's paradise. Fully stocked with the right professional grade tools and fully staffed with experts who have the right answers. Problem solved. Northern Tool and Equipment Summer Sale is on now. Stop in and save up to 50% on pressure washers, sprayers, generators, fans, lawn and garden equipment, and more. Hundreds of deals in store or at northerntool.com. Podcast Network.